Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. Today, we have the legend, Jake Dunlap. He is the CEO of Scaled and a huge LinkedIn personality. Nick, why should people listen? Well, if you are sick of your discovery calls going awry where they're awkward and the prospect doesn't really say anything and you know have no idea how to get them talking, you got to listen to Jake. He's got some good actionables on how to jumpstart the conversation. Three, two, one, jumpstart the episode. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Jake, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable sales tactics. Let's get your three. My top three, first, number one, most important, is you have to know who you're talking to, role and fit. So quick sneak peek. What that means is the very first question you ask in every discovery process is, I work with lots of XYZs. 
in XYZ industry, tell me your two core areas of responsibility. Why? If I don't know who you are and what your team looks like, then I do not know how to drive action and momentum. I then have to ask the stupid question of what are next steps versus knowing what next steps needs to be because I know your team. Number one. What's number two, Jake? Number two, why three times? The other reason why deals fall apart later is in your discovery process. Someone says, oh, I have this issue. And you're like, oh, wow, deal. Oh, here it comes. As opposed to saying, well, well, tell me more. Why is that? So if after every pain point question, you ask why three times, you will start to know, is this a priority 42 or a priority seven? Just FYI, you'll never be priority one. So give up all hope. But I need to know how important this is. And I'll only know that by going two levels deeper than that first why question. Round us out. What's the last one? Last one, listen with no agenda, right? Just sit there. That's why scripts exist. I know all of you hate scripts, but I'm telling you, you need to have a placeholder for what question to ask next and not be focused on what you're going to pitch and what the next question is. I need to be in the zone. So I need to know what I'm going to talk about next. And I've ran tens of thousands of sales meetings. And I'm telling you in big meetings, I still use a script so I can be present. So when you're talking about listening with no agenda, part of my struggle there is I know that I need to take the conversation in a certain direction and I need to be listening for certain cues of they said this, this means I probably need to point them in X direction. So how do I listen with no agenda while still bringing the conversation in the direction of where their pain is? There's a couple of things there that are both true and stories we tell ourselves. The first is that because you have a script, it's that it means that it's a horrible conversation, that everyone sounds when they're reading something for the first time, right? So it's more of, look, I know the very first questions are around role and fit, the next are around business priorities, and then the next are going to be around tactical. You never go tactical first. That's the other reason why people lose deals is they start the very third question is great. So tell me how you're using XYZ thing today. Boop immediately having a tactical conversation. So for me, it's just having those four or five placeholder questions that I know the order of operations matters because I'm telling you guys from running so many meetings, the order of how you ask questions has a direct impact on the quality of your answers. So like, let's say, Nick, for a good example, in question two, you start to talk about the solution that I compete against. I'm not going to go start talking about it. I write it down. And because I want to talk about business priorities. That's great. You started talking about the competition. I want to talk about the business. And so then guess what? When I go into question five, I go, okay, Nick, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned X, Y, Z. Let's talk about, you know, like what's going well. Like, what do you like? What's working? But I'm not going to jump like a rat, like all over, like, I'm not going to do that because then the comp, then I always skip. You miss things. Whereas me, I don't miss things in discovery because I run the same discovery process every single time. One area that I found myself get trapped in on discovery calls is it's like the shiny object syndrome where we end up going down a rabbit hole of something that isn't really that important to you and is not important to the buyer. But because they mentioned PCI, DSS compliance, now we're in this deep conversation about IT compliance and not about the big business problem that they came there to solve. But because they mentioned it offhand and I'm like, oh, we should talk about that. I end up killing myself and we get out of the call and they're like, yeah, send me an email with some information. That's right. And that's why I hit the mute button after I ask questions. I still do it. Guys, I still do it today. I'm 40 years old now. It's literally the first time I've ever said it out loud. I still want to like say that I'm 39. I just turned 40 a few days ago. So it's still why human brain, like at least if you're like me, I'm like, I have answers. I have answers. Let me tell you how smart I am. I'm, I'm at, right. So instead I hit pause what that does. And then guess what, guys, I'm okay with two seconds of silence between the next question. Ooh. Oh my God, God forbid, there is silence. How many of you have been on a call where there's silence and then all of a sudden they start puking up more information? Everybody in sales has been there. 
I would coach reps all the time and you can see them almost twitching and fidgeting left and right and puckering their lips like they're ready to interrupt you, right? They're so, they're, Gil Caprio in episode one, he called it, yeah, yes, right? And it's the reps that the moment you're about to finish your sentence, they're going, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, shut up. Let the silence sit for a minute. I want to take the discovery call cradle to grave. And so let's go through roll and fit. And then we'll go through the other two pieces of the discovery call that you mentioned. And so could you walk us through how that roll and fit? Is that literally your agenda? How are you kicking off the call based on how someone came to you? So first step to the discovery call is the very opening. And I'm telling you, this is that 45 seconds that makes or breaks your call. Okay. And we can get real controversial here because I'll, I'll go deep on it. That I have the exact same agenda. Very, very similar. Again, one, step one to a discovery call, do your f- research. It makes me upset because people don't realize the reason you have bad calls is you don't show up prepared and you wonder why the customer doesn't think that you're ready to buy or, or that they're not ready to buy because you didn't know enough about their business to customize things. You know, if it's a big meeting, hours. If it's a small meeting, at least 10, 15 minutes getting up to speed. So step one is prep. Step two is the agenda. How you set the meeting has a direct impact on how that meeting is going to end. So the agenda is the exact same. One, never thank people for their time, ever, right? When you thank somebody for their time, you are immediately saying that your time is more important than mine. Look, I get it. Now, a lot of people are like, but Jake, I'm polite. I'm courteous. I get this from like the older crowd in particular. And here's the reason. Like, if you can pull it off in a very slow, confident way, then fine. But instead, when you say, hey, Nick, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I, I really appreciate you guys carving out 30 minutes to have me. Immediately, you're like, yeah, no thanks, Jake. Yeah, that, that's cool. No problem. No problem, man. So you have to start. Hey, look, I'm looking for the conversation today, Nick. Make sure everyone go to minute whatever we're at now, minute eight. This is your new opening, right? I'm looking forward. Based on what I had seen, you know, you all are focused on this and this. We do a lot of work with this other organization. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation and going deeper there. But first, each organization we work with has different priorities. Obviously, with COVID, there's a lot of moving pieces. I want to spend five, 10 minutes doing a quick high level and understanding some of those nuances. Then we'll spend a bulk of the time talking about what we do at XYZ. And if it seems like a fit, then we'll talk about next steps. Does that work for you, Nick? Yep. Great. I've already planted a seed. We're going to talk about next steps. I am running this meeting. And I'm telling you what's going to happen next. The reason so many of you get interrupted during your discovery process is you don't lay out an agenda. And so after question three, they go, when is this interrogation going to stop? And so I lay out the agenda. So then they're not always wondering. I said, I'm going to five to 10 minutes here, a bulk of the time, if it makes sense. So that's step one to the discovery process is how you start it. Step two is then the questions are in the three buckets, three very basic buckets, roll and fit. Tell me your top two to three core areas. of. I work with many blahs. The reason you do it that way is it helps to train the brain for them to get in the right mindset. If I go to a VP and I say, so Nick, tell me about your responsibilities at XYZ. They're like, kid, man. If I ask a VP, what are your core areas of responsibility? They're like, dude, I've got 40. If I say, what are your top two areas of responsibility? Our brain immediately has highways that can answer that question very quickly. Then I ask, tell me about the team. Once I know who I'm talking to and who the team is, I literally immediately want to tune out. Because guess what? Every meeting, the goal of the first meeting, guys, is to get to second meeting. Second set of questions are around departmental priorities. And again, same way. What are your priorities this quarter? Dude, come on, man. I got like 85. Nick, what are the top two priorities this quarter for the logistics group? And then I go, that's where my why. Okay, yeah, we're trying to do this. We're trying to do this. Okay, let's start with this. Okay, why is this a priority? Okay, well, well, tell me to understand more. Why is this important right now? What are the factors that influence that? Again, I go deep. 
on those company priorities, because guess what? I sell solutions to business problems. I don't sell software. I'm selling a 5% decrease in your sales cycle. Then you go into what are you doing today? And which is like, great. So how are you guys handling this more tactical thing of whatever it is? Especially if you're talking to a decision maker, as soon as you take it tactical, I'm like, cool, now I'm delegating you to Nancy. And now this is Nancy's responsibility because you're not talking about my priorities anymore. You're talking about how my frontline team uses the admin features in xyz.io. You need to tell stories. Put them in the story from a demo standpoint. And everything that comes out of your mouth when you talk about your product, if you can't say from earlier in the conversation when you said this, this is how we do this, you shouldn't be talking about it. Jake, how do I actually get, because I've heard this since day one of my selling career. It's like stories sell. Stories are the best way that we communicate with each other, which is cool, but I'm not a natural storyteller. How the heck do I, when I'm learning to sell a piece of software that maybe is not the coolest thing in the world for me? The very first thing to understand is you don't sell software. You sell outcomes, okay? And so the people you sell into, they probably only have like five pains. They want more of this thing, less of this other thing, saving time, making money. You need to know about how your product solves those problems, not by by how you push the button, by what by when you push the button, it does this. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm gonna give you a very practical example here. Client of ours, um, from a few years ago, they got acquired by Yelp, was iPad waitlist management for fast casual restaurants. So when you're explaining this to the VP of ops at Texas Roadhouse or whatever it is, you're saying, look, so imagine the experience for the guests. They come in, it's crowded, there's a waitlist, et cetera. Now imagine instead of them having to wait, et cetera, they're gonna be able to get texted when their table's ready. You'll have the ability to market to them. You'll have the ability to drive more new customers. Before we talked about one of the big goals is getting repeat customers. That's how we're gonna help you to do that. If you don't know the pain points that your product solves for, you gotta talk customer. If I'm a VP of operations, what keeps me up at night? I care about margins. I care about throughput. I care about loss. If you don't know your buyers inside and out, you can't storytell. So my question is, if we go back to the departmental priorities at the beginning, you started with an initial question that's, tell me about your top three priorities, whatever that might be. And so let's say Nick's selling to a partner of law firm, right? For them, like their top two or three priorities might not be fixing their accounting system, but it's a problem that they need to solve. And I've had people start calls with me where it's like, what are your top two priorities as a director of sales? And I'm like, well, one, hitting my number and then two, doubling my team size. But I'm here to talk about lead routing. So how do you get more specific and make sure that they're going down the right tubes in the discovery funnel? I'm going to prime you. So right, the key is, so let me tell you what priming is. So priming is a questioning technique that you use that is, it's probably why sales reps get more false positives than anything, but it's an effective technique in what you just said. I can get you to answer pretty much any way I want to any question just by the way that I phrase it. So Nick, I'm going to flip this. Okay, I sell the same thing, right? Okay, great. So, you know, Nick, when we think about what are your top two priorities in 2020, you know, specifically when you think about lead follow-up, lead engagement, boom. I just primed his response to be around lead engagement, not around training. That small little thing completely changes the way Nick's brain is going to process that question. You're actually priming false positive because now I'm getting a false positive that that lead stuff is actually important because I asked him what are the two priorities? And then I primed him with what I wanted him to say. And so now he's going to tell me what I want to hear. And so I don't know if that's priority number 70 or priority number 32, but I didn't ask what his top overall priorities are. I say, okay, Nick, all right, this is great. Okay. How important 
is conversion rate right now. When you think about it, you're trying to solve for outbound, and obviously maybe that's part of cold calling, right? You want a higher conversion rate. Like where does conversion rate fit into these priorities? So then I've got to prime you. I've got to be like, okay, he's over here, prime him back to here. Priming is powerful. And it's almost like this double-edged sword. One, you're giving frame of reference and context for what the conversation needs to be about so you can figure out if you can solve or not. So that's the value of it. Where it becomes dangerous is I'm then prompting you to talk about something that can give me the happy ears where now I go back to my boss and said, yeah, Jake and I talked about lead conversion for 45 minutes, but I don't actually know it's priority number 37 on your list. And I'm like, yeah, this is a commit. So you've got to be careful when you're using this priming tool. That's exactly it. That's why I don't prime in the beginning. That's exactly it. I say, what are the top two priorities for your department? I don't say around whatever. And then guess what? If you only tell me lead routing questions, I'm going to fix your response. I'm going to say, great, around that. Like, Nick, are those actually the top department priorities? I'm going to take it back. I'm not letting you drag me into it yet. I'm going to come back. I'm going to say, really, again, okay, great. Like, let's talk about that. Because you're going to come in with a very basic understanding about lead routing, what the outcomes lead routing actually leads to. I'm not ready to talk about that. Because again, to your point, and then the alternative, Nick, what happens is like, let's say you're like, this is going well, this is going well. This, I'm like, look, so it sounds like things are going well. You're doing this. Love it. That's a best practice. That's exactly it. You've just implemented this other tool. Fantastic. Great. And look, I'll tell you what. So let me give you a high level on what we do. I'm out. I'm disqualified. I just, I just disqualified. If there is no pain, there is no deal. If there is no issue that's a top 10 priority, I'm disqualifying you. I'm like, look, it sounds like things are going really, really well, man. So let me give you a quick high level. And then I plant seeds where I'll say, okay, so look, a lot of our clients, if this starts to happen, which I know is going to happen in the next two months, right? If you start to get concerned that the cold call follow-up isn't where it needs to be, if you start to see that despite the changes to the sales force, you're not quite getting the speed, then maybe let's connect in about 30 days. Does that work for you, Nick? Cool. Because guess what? I already know it's going to happen. I already know it's going to happen. I've seen this movie play out 85 times. I also, I'm not going to convince my, I'm not going to talk myself blue in the face and throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall. This dude doesn't think he has a problem. And you've all been on those calls. Yeah, no, it's great. It's good. Cool. I'm going to go find someone who has an issue and problem. And it might even be at the same company. That's the other thing. If you guys are prospecting into big companies and John Smith, VP of whatever turns you down, go find the other 30 people that could say yes. Too many people disqualify a company. As, well, you should just be disqualifying the person. You come to me and tell me Honeywell is is not ready to buy. Honeywell's not ready to buy? Honeywell's <laughs> not ready to buy. Come on, man. All 300,000 of them. John Smith isn't ready to buy, not Honeywell. Give me a break. And so I, I got to hit on this because you're super well-known on LinkedIn, right? And one of the things we talked about beforehand was not using your LinkedIn presence just for prospecting, but using it inside of your deals to increase your close rates, to build that rapport, to put a little bit of personality in there. So could you talk about how you're multi-threading your deals using some of your LinkedIn branding? I think this is really applicable, not as much on SMB, but if you're mid-market, you know, if you, even a few hundred employees up to big companies is, you know, once you understand who all the people are in the deal, go connect with all of them immediately. That way, every time you post a relevant post, guess who sees it? Your first degree connections. And guess what? Before you show up for that meeting number two, these people have maybe seen one of your posts, right? Or you could DM them that on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm looking forward to our meeting, Barbara, on Thursday. Here's a quick high level of what I discussed with Sam. Really excited for the conversation. You know how many reps are doing that? Zero. Lazy. 
LinkedIn is there for you. I can be nurturing every, I can have be running a really complex deal, multiple departments by just connecting on LinkedIn and putting out content. I'm nurturing all of them with doing nothing. And so uh, to me, if I'm in, you know, if you're a seller, you're a frontline seller, you should be connecting with all the buying circle, not just your main POC throughout it. Right. And then just think about that's why it's so important as a sales rep, you need to be producing content. I don't care if it's one post a week that talks about your industry, not trying to be super seller. If you want to be, if you only want to talk about sales, my biggest advice, go work at a sales tech company. Then it's a win-win. You're talking about sales and you're selling sales tech because it's relevant to your same buyer. If you sell to oil and gas and you're trying to be Mr. and Mrs. Sales expert, you think that that makes them excited? Let's talk about oil and gas, right? A lot of times when reps don't have the expertise to be able to be posting about their industry, what ends up happening is they just end up sharing their company's blog with no commentary and it's lazy LinkedIn posting. And so if I'm a rep and I want to get more than two likes or one comment on my post and be perceived to be a somewhat respected person in my industry, how can I make posts that are intelligent despite being relatively less experienced when compared to my buyers? Your company is producing content. Just pull out the insights from it. So they put out a future of insulation in massive marine time vessels. We actually have a client in this space. So I've been getting like somewhat through our, our team, getting like up to speed in this like really odd world. And then I'm just going to go paraphrase. I'm gonna, just going to go, hey, look, if you are an industrial facilities engineer in maritime, here are the top three things you need to think about. One, two, three, and here's the action you should take. If you want to read more, you can read. Either I wouldn't post the link at all. I would just give my insights. Or I would just paraphrase conversations I have with prospects. Hey, look, I've talked to four operations leaders. Here's the top three things I hear about them going back to market in 2020. And then the other option, if you want to do it, guess what, guys? Google. It's called Google. And what you do is you Google industrial oil manufacturing trends for 2021. And I, I guarantee there's going to be results for that. And then I just paraphrase things and share my results. So I feel like there's a lot of different ways without, you don't have to have 25 years of experience. You're just sharing what you're learning. People want to hear from people. And that's what's really important. They don't want to hear from just a company reshare. And that's why reshares, well, there's a lot of reasons why reshares don't get engagement, but that's certainly one of them. If you think of yourself as a kid, then you're going to have trouble. But if you think of yourself as the person who's talked to 50 other VPs of operations at oil and gas companies, you've probably talked to more of them than they've talked to each other. And all you got to do is just point out observations across those conversations. And that's your content. If you are selling a product and you don't believe you know more about that one specific thing than your prospects, quit now. You're selling the wrong product. I always, at 26 years old, talking to CHROs of big companies selling Career Builder, then Glassdoor, I knew I knew more than them about talent acquisition. There was no doubt in my mind. So I got a question kind of on this. So let's say I'm in oil and gas and I've started posting and I feel good about it, but maybe I don't intend to be in that specific space my entire career. Is it just a waste of effort to start posting about that stuff now, knowing that maybe three years later I'm selling HR tech and like it's a completely different space? Is my network going to be like, what the heck? I thought you were the oil and gas guy. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. But it's the same thing. It's no different, man. This is the same hustle, just digital. Like, just think about it. Johnny Baggy Suit used to go to networking events in Austin, Texas. Johnny Baggy Suit used to go and shake hands and get business card. And everyone knew Johnny as your payroll and in insurance guy. He was your Austin payroll and insurance guy. It's the same thing, guys. It's no different. You're just getting well-known in a sector. It's just digital versus physical. So yeah, if Johnny now goes outside of selling that, you know, payroll, whatever. Now he goes to selling 
marketing solutions, he can still leverage some people for sure. But that whole network goes away. So it's why I think a lot of people, you know, look up until you get to like 25, you know, none of this matters. You have no clue. And then if you start to get to like 30, 35, you got to start to think about the compounding interest of if you can stay in a lane, the way that reps are going to crush quota in 2022 is I'm just going to have connected with every single person in the industry. And I'm going to be producing content for them. And I'm just going to be dripping content where they know Jake is the oil and gas insulation dude. LinkedIn right now, less than 2% of people are producing content. It's just such green field right now. It's a no-brainer for anyone in sales. Absolute no-brainer. We always ask one last question at the end. And that last question is, Jake, we talked about a lot of good habits. right? We talked about multi-thread in your deals. We talked about the three parts of the discovery. But we haven't talked about some of the bad habits we need to break. And so if there was one bad habit that every rep needed to stop doing immediately, what would that be? I really feel like my job is to help you make a good business outcome and business decision. So listen, hit the mute button. My biggest number one is just listen. Hear what they're saying, how they're saying it. Close your eyes. Like again, if we're not on a Zoom, like I can hear your tone. I can hear what's happening. And I'm listening with all these cues. So my biggest advice is really try to listen to what they're saying and then be okay with confronting things that don't fit. Be okay to get uncomfortable and say, hey, Nick, that didn't quite seem like this. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. So I, that's it. Listen and get uncomfortable. The biggest advice that I'll give kind of macro is you own your own professional development. And you've got to be constantly preparing for the job above the job that you want. How I, The reason I've gotten all so many promotions, been a VP of sales at a company that ended up exiting for $1.2 billion, why is 30, is I was building the skills for tomorrow today. And I, it wasn't my boss or my company's job to go train me on how to be a leader. I went and read books and did this. And then when a leadership position opened, I got the job. You know, like So I think too many reps are not being intentional about their own professional development. And that, that would be the thing that I think can have the biggest impact, whether you read or listen to podcasts or you go back and get your MBA, whatever it might be, that nobody's going to handpick you. You got to go prepare. You got to prepare for the job you want tomorrow, today. And too many people just think they're going to get picked and someone's going to train them. That's not how it works, my friends. Guys, we talk about this all the time. Go own your own freaking development. Read a book. Listen to a podcast. Do what you got to do. Jake, before we sign off, anything you want to plug with the audience? Yeah, I mean, look, guys, as you both said, please feel free to follow along. Jake Dunlap on LinkedIn. Doing some fun stuff. Jake underscore Dunlap underscore on Instagram, too, if you want to get a little more behind the scenes. You want to check out my barbecue game. Maybe if I'm on a boat crushing some claws, you can see that there as well, too. But that's the best place to find me. Definitely DM me on LinkedIn. You can always email me, Jake at Scaled as well too. Really appreciate it, guys. This is a lot of fun. All right, folks. Everybody hang on for a 60-second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes.
Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from the episode with Jake Dunlap include number one, leverage. I work with many X who typically focus on A, B, and C to lead the agenda. Then start asking about their priorities, which is number two. Ask your prospect for their top two priorities, not about their general priorities. And if it's too high level, if your solution is too specific, then prime the question. What are your top two priorities as it relates to lead routing or sales coaching? Number three, bring people to the business priorities first instead of getting stuck in the process or in the technical problems, in the weeds of the clicks and the number of minutes sucked into a spreadsheet. Number four, don't disqualify an entire company when one person says no. All of Kodak did not say no. Only one person said no. Find another way in. Nick, how can people help us? Well, this week we are back to basics. The one thing that we care about is that subscribe button so you hear us every week. So hit subscribe, don't rate, don't review, don't post on LinkedIn, just subscribe so you can see us next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes.